On today's podcast, we have Mason Sawyer, the co-host of the 1090 podcast and an incredible inspirational public speaker. So, Mason, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. You got quite the setup here. You got it going. <laughs> we're trying. We're experimenting, and we're always switching things up, you know? Well, I, I started in my basement with my podcast, and now we're above a, a little tattoo shop in South Jordan. So. Nice. So but, you have a, a full-on studio. Oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty similar to this, but not, yeah. I mean, this is this is the next level for sure. Yeah. Well, that's that, cool. Well, that's cool. I mean, just doing, you know, research on you and listening to different things, man. I just wanted to just really say thank you, I mean, and honor you, you know. I just, I think the world of you, your resilience, your courage. Like, if you were one of my homies that we were just super <laughs> tight, I'd be like, bro, like, I'm so proud of you, you know? Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Just watching you go through this and how you've been able to rise and, and share and inspire other people and impact them. It's just been so cool to see. And it's inspired myself. So I just want to start by just saying thank you. Wow, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, so you grew up here locally. West Utah Jordan, boy, man. West Jordan. Born and raised, dude. Well, okay. I was technically born in West Valley, but I grew up in West Jordan, went to West Jordan High School. That's where I met my wife. That's, yeah. So I've been Utah kid my whole life, basically. Cool. Um, and you met Courtney at age 15. Yeah, dude. 15, man. 15. And I was, I loved hooping. I was a basketball player. Yeah. And I always thought, like, no girlfriends, like, stay focused on ball. Yeah, I wanted to go so that play. was everything. Yeah, man. I wanted to go play yeah. college ball. And then I met this girl. I'm like, she's pretty cool, man. I, and I just <laughs> couldn't stop hanging out with her. Yeah. And, yeah, so I met Courtney 15, and we ended up – we actually – we won the award in high school most likely to marry your high school sweetheart. Wow. Like, that's just who we were. Like, wow. we were just always just getting along since we were super young. And So it was high school sweethearts, not just friends. Like Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, and we ended up getting married and the whole thing, but, yeah. Cool. So then, after graduation, you got a teaching job at the same high school that you went to? Like, that was just, you yeah, turned around so, and went right into teaching? So, I, I played college ball at Dixie State, which is Utah Tech now. Yeah. Courtney did the nursing program there. And then, when, when we graduated, it was like, because my whole life was basketball. And then, it was like, there's no, there's no more basketball. And so Courtney, like, what are we gonna do? And I wanted to do something with basketball. And I also love psychology. Like I got a bachelor's degree in psychology at Dixie State. My dad was a therapist. Okay. So I wanted to do something to help teenagers. So I'm like, well, if I can be a high school basketball coach, I can stay around basketball, I can still help young teenagers. Like kind of the both the best worlds type of thing. So yeah, after uh after Utah Tech or Dixie State, I don't know what to call it now, but yeah. <laughs> after we graduated college, um, I took a job at my old high school, West Jordan High School, and then a couple years after that, I became the head coach because Coach Briggs, the previous head coach, left, and I kind of stepped in and, yeah, was coaching and teaching, and Courtney and I had three kids at the time, Riggins, Blue, and Frankie, and she was a nurse. I was a high school teacher and just normal middle class yeah. Type of family. It just yeah. it was good. Yeah. That was up here. And then you took a new job in St. George or something? Yeah. So we were like, we kept going back and forth between St. George and West Jordan. With jobs? or Yeah. Which, okay. So because we, we both grew up in West Jordan. We'd go to St. George to go to school. We moved back so I can be the head coach at West Jordan High School. Yeah. A couple of years of that, I get a really cool phone call from 
nets on fire, like this basketball complex that's located back in St. George. And Corey and I, when we lived there the first time, we're like, hey, if we can ever like find careers here or move back to St. George, like we have to do it because we always love that place. I love it. The weather and the location. And yeah. it's just, we always loved it. And the people. So these people, they call me from Nets on Fire and like, hey, we think you're a good coach. We think you're the right guy. Basically to run, help run their basketball operations, put AAU teams together, travel, coach, train players. And I didn't even know this was like a job. I didn't know this was like a possibility. But it was basically like my dream job. I'm like, are you guys serious? These people at Nets on Fire are like the coolest people we ever meet. Ben and Moore. it's in St. George, right? And it's so in St. Like, George. This sells so everything. I tell Courtney about it, and she's like, no way. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, let's go. So we packed up our family and uh, moved back to St. George. So, yeah, a lot of back and forth. But we thought we'd be in St. George uh, probably the rest of our lives was the game plan. Yeah. Yeah. And so – how long were you there? Like when I took the Nets on Fire job? Yeah. Oh man, before so we I probably took that job like right in the like June, like the summer of man, I'm I'm so bad at keeping track of time now, but it's probably like that summer of twenty one. Okay. Um, if I'm remembering right if I'm remembering right, but we probably lived there like three months is all. Not even that. And then the the accident happened. But, yeah, that, so we didn't live there for too long. And that was kind of a factor in the accident, right? Because the one podcast I listened to is it was a newer job. Mm-hmm. And we've all been there. Like, you're starting a new job. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, it's hard to take time off right well, when you start. Because and... Corey and I, we've had three kids. Yeah. And we haven't been married that long. So Corey and I didn't have a whole lot of time to we didn't vacation a lot together. And so Courtney planned a little vacation for us to go to Cabo. And we haven't gone on a vacation since, like, our honeymoon like this. Yeah. And this was before Nets on Fire even called. So she planned this Cabo trip. So I get to Nets on Fire. Next week, we leave to Cabo. Oh, wow. (laughs) We get back. And then I think a week after that is our family reunion. So I'm like, Courtney, like, we just – I just took this new job. We just went to Cabo. I mean, everybody can relate to this situation. I'm like – and now it's our first turn. So I put our first Nets on Fire team together. We have okay. the tryouts. We have the team. It's the first tournament, and it's the same weekend as our family reunion. I'm like, Courtney, like we, I, I can't do it this year. And it's my family reunion. It's not Courtney's side. Okay. It's, it's my side. Yeah. So I tell my family, like, hey, Courtney and I, we're not going to be able to make it. And everyone understood it. Like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then that Friday rolls around, and Courtney's like, hey, like, I'm going to have three kids. It's 110 degrees outside. It's St. George. I'm just going to take him to the family reunion. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, you should call my brother Race, because Race also lived in St. George with his family, Keisha, Rand, Faith, and Ryder. I'm like, it's the same family reunion. Like, Race is my brother, so call Race. Maybe you guys can caravan together or drive yeah. together, like see what they got going on. So she calls my brother Race and his wife, Keisha, and they talk it out. And uh, my brother's wife, Keisha, can't go, and two of their kids, Rand and Faith, can't go because – Football, sports, work. Yeah. But my brother can go. He's like, yeah, I'm going to the family reunion. And and Ryder, his youngest son, could also go. So I'm like, oh, you should ride. So anyway, so Race and Ryder, they drive with my family to the family reunion. And then on the way back that Sunday, they were pulling out of Fillmore. Courtney texts me. They're leaving Fillmore, Utah, which is 
kind of right in between, I would say, Bear Lake and St. George, or at least yeah, close, like halfway. that halfway yeah. point. I remember Corey texting me like, hey, we're in Fillmore filling up. I love you. I miss you. I'll see you soon. I'm like, I love you too. I'll see you soon. Um, so they're pulling out of Fillmore not too long after that. A big dust storm kicks up, engulfs the highway. And, you know, I, I've stayed away from the details of the accident just because I'm working on accepting things a little bit at a time. Um, and I like, I just like to think they went quick, like no pain involved. So I, I honestly haven't read that much into the accident. I haven't seen pictures. I don't even know. Um, but from what I've kind of gathered, it, the sandstorm just kind of covered the highway, caused a 22-car pileup, um, and it killed eight people, and five of those eight people were my family. Um, so my brother, Race, was killed. His son, Ryder, was killed. My wife, Courtney, was killed. My son, Riggins, was killed. And my daughter, Frankie, was killed. My son, Blue, survived the car accident. So he was pulled out of the car. Um, they life flatted him to the hospital at University of Utah in Salt Lake. So then I, I was in St. George. So I had to drive four hours to get to Blue, and I had to drive through the car accident to get there. Um, but I made it, and Blue was he was alive, and he had some deep scratches in his head and a fractured hand. Um, but other than that, he was okay, at least physically. And then we spent one night in the hospital, and then we walked out the next day, blew in my arms, into our new world, our new life. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, did your brother's family, did they live in St. George too? Yeah, so they just moved there. They've probably been living there a year, okay, maybe more until Courtney and I moved down. And that, that was another reason why Courtney and I were excited. Like, oh, race is there now. Like, we'll yeah. have some, like. Yeah. And when we did live there, Ryder, who was killed in the accident, he would babysit our kids. And then I, when I got home from work, I'd take them all back to races to drop Ryder off, and we'd swim. It was like we had yeah. the whole thing going, man. It was like, yeah. I remember telling my dad, because I took my dad to the Nets on Fire complex before I took the job. I'm like, you got to see this place. Because my dad's sad. He's like, you're leaving? Like, Because I had a good job, good career. I was a successful basketball coach. And I had to show my dad. I'm like, you got to see how cool this complex is to get it. Like, You'll understand once you see it. So I take my dad down, and he's like, yeah, I get it. This is a pretty cool job. And I remember telling my dad, like, Dad, I think I'm the happiest guy in the world. Wow. I think I, think I got the job I want. I got the girl I want. I got the kids I want. Like, I think I'm the happiest guy in the world. And then maybe a month after that, I think I was the saddest guy in the world. So life's a, it's a brutal thing like that. It will just kind of blindside you with things you didn't even think were possible. Yeah. And that's where the, the 1090 came from, the podcast that you co-host, right? Yeah. And that's like, I mean, how much time do you got, dude? But we got time. it man. took me the first year after the accident. It's probably everything you would assume I'm just I'm working on acceptance basically I just can't even accept it I'm in a lot of denial and shock and pain and it's weird because and it, I love Metallica because Metallica's lyrics they just relate to me so well and 
Metallica has it. Is that it. like before or after? That was after. Saw... Okay. That was after, after. yeah. Because yeah. Courtney and I's song was Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. Um, anyway, but they have a song um, called To Live Is To Die, and they talk about death a lot, but Metallica kind of, they talk about how you don't want to live and you don't want to die. You're kind of stuck in this weird limbo. Mm-hmm. And that was me, like, because the pain... It doesn't stop. It is relentless, dude. So, like, the, the saying, um, time heals everything, like, that's just totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, the pain is just – and I think year two is actually worse than year one wow. in some ways. But anyway, I was in this weird limbo of I didn't want to live. And the reason I didn't want to live is if I died, the pain would stop, which sounds awesome. Like, wow, like, this pain could end? Sign me up. And then another option was I see him again. Like if I die, maybe I'd see him again, which sounds awesome. Like either of those, like yeah. pain stops, I see yeah. him. Like why am I still here? Like, like speed it up. Yeah, like of, get yeah. me out of here. Yeah. But I had blue, blue survived, and and there was no. So I never came close to ever taking my own life. Like never. Like I've thought about it, but never actually even close. Because I had, a, and this is a weird thing with trauma and tragedy, is if you can embrace it and accept it, there's so much purpose within it. it you can find purpose in the pain. And blue kept me here for a while, and I was just kind of a zombie, just kind of miserable, staring at the wall type of thing. But I had blue. And then as time went by, the purpose of staying here for blue kind of shifted to I found purpose in my pain and I was able to help people by opening up and talking about my pain. And that's given me like the strongest purpose ever. And it's funny because a lot of people feel bad for me. Like, I'm so sorry. What, you know, I get it. But dude, like, I never have an empty day. I never have a dull day. I, I, I could literally wake up lay in bed all day, maybe go out, play catch with Blue, and I feel like I conquered the world that day. Sure. And before the accident, it was like, what's my purpose? What am I doing? Am I doing enough? Like, what's the point of life? It was just so, I was searching for so many things, but the weird thing about pain and misery is it, like, wakes you up, man. Like, every day means something to me. And that's pretty powerful. That's pretty cool. That's a perspective I didn't have before the accident. But I basically hung around a while for Blue. And then I went to therapy. And I went to a lot of therapists. And it was like, I think this is important to bring up because I think it's hard for men to talk about stuff. Sure. And it's hard for them to go to therapy and open up. And if your first therapy session doesn't go well, like, that's okay. Like, go find another. Like, if you buy a car or a house, well, you're shopping around. Like, it's a big decision. Yeah. You're going to take some time. You're going to test drive. Like, like you can go see. I, I saw four, five, six therapists until I really found this guy I like named Matt. And Matt was, uh, he's like the real deal. He's like trained to deal with people with high levels of trauma. And he's got, he told me some stories that made my story like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like there I'm not alone. Like people like he's got some stories, man. Wow. People are going through it. Yeah. 
And so anyway, I sit down with Matt and and I, you know, I'm just miserable and I'm crying and I'm just kind of waiting for him to talk because I don't want to talk. And he says, Mason, um, this car accident's not about you and it's not about Blue. I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> like, I was so this mad. Is Matt? Yeah, this is my therapist. I was so mad. This is our first session. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, because the thing with trauma is it makes you so selfish. Just naturally it does because you just think, I think about Courtney. I think about Riggins. I think about Frankie. I think about Race. I think about Ryder. I don't have time for your, oh, you had traffic today on the way to work? I don't have, I don't care. I, I don't, trauma is just, you, you think about you and your pain. And that's one of the worst parts of it. And my therapist, Matt, in this conversation, he, he kind of woke me back up to what I've always knew my whole life about teamwork and we is greater than me. And he said, Mason, this car accident's not about you. This is about 7 billion other people on planet Earth. You now have the opportunity to help. And I, I hated when he said opportunity. I wanted to punch him right in the face because I grew up athlete. You work your, you work your tail off. You set goals opportunity meant like you earned it. It was well-deserving. You Something good happened. Right. And so when he said opportunity, I'm like, no. But he was right. Like, opportunity doesn't have to come from something good. It can come from the absolute worst thing. But my therapist in this, in this therapy session, he kind of helped me realize, like, hey, like, this is an opportunity. Like, how am I going to handle this thing? And he said... Mason, tomorrow someone's going to lose a spouse, someone's going to lose a kid, someone's going to lose a sibling, someone's going to lose a niece or a nephew. You could help all of them. And then he said, like, give me some, like, what are you feeling? Like, what, give me some emotions you feel. I'm like, I feel alone. He's like, yeah, what else? I'm like, I feel powerless. He's like, yeah. Like, what else? I'm like, I feel like nothing matters. Life's meaningless. He's like, yeah. He's like, so many people feel that way. You can help all of them if if you handle it the right way. Yeah. And it was like, I don't remember what else we talked about the other 58 minutes of that therapy session. But those two minutes is like, damn, like, I think this guy's right. And it wasn't like a complete 180, like, oh, okay, I'm going to start a podcast now. But it was like, it, it was a nudge in the right direction. I needed to hear it. And I, I thought about that a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I help people? So then I wanted to go back into therapy and become a therapist. But I'm like, that, I can't. I have trauma. I can't go do <laughs> I can't do a master's degree right now. Like, yeah. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. So I'm like, well, what do I do? And, and so I'm like, well, what if I start a podcast and just talk about my story and just talk about it? And then we'll see what happens. And then here I am in your studio today. Wow. So when did you start that? So the year mark so the car accident happened july 25th 2021 okay july 25th 2022 so we're coming up on the year mark and i'm like okay i'm done with the poor me why me woe me not fair why did this happen to me i'm done with it it's not good for me it's not good for blue not good for anyone and so i'm like i want to do something on the anniversary and so i'm like well what if i do a public speaking thing and just tell people about my story, what I experienced that night, the pain I felt, how I've handled it since, and kind of just a thank you is really what it was. Because so many people from all over the world, dude, reached out to me, messages, sending wow. me things. 
Like, I want to just kind of give back. Yeah. And so I reached out to my Nets on Fire buddies, and they got connected to Dixie State, where I played college basketball. And they set up, like, we wanted to come speak at Dixie State University. And so they put me in this room. It, it would seat 250 people. So I just put it out on my Instagram, like, hey, I'm doing the speaking thing. Here's the address. If you want to come, great. And how do you ever spoke before like no, in a public setting? No, like that? no. So, so this is your first this public is it, speaking. Dude, and I'm like nervous as hell. And I don't know, like maybe eight people show up or eighty. I have no idea. The thing's full. Like at least two hundred people. Like a couple empty seats, wow. but the place is packed. They hire guys to film it. They film the thing, which I didn't really ask for. I just I didn't even know what I was walking into. Yeah. So I do that public speaking thing and then Sam, my good friend, Sam Josie, I start a podcast with him. Like, hey, I want to start yeah. a podcast called the 1090 Podcast. Wanting to be the co-host of it. And we're going to air our first episode on July 25th, 2022. Like, that's episode one, the anniversary of the accident. And so I do the public speaking thing. I put out our podcast. And it w- I got incredible feedback. Just didn't, and honestly, I thought maybe I'd help people, but I'd help people that have gone through something simple. Like I thought I'd find this small pocket of people, of miserable people like me that would like it. No, it's been so many age groups, races, whatever. Gen- it's been everyone and everyone. And it's been really cool, man. Everyone's hurting. Yeah. That's not cool, but it's cool that I've been able to relate to everyone sure. that's hurt. Yeah, no, I listened to a couple episodes and I loved it. Thanks, so, um, man. Yeah, I'm really. We stoked. just shoot from the hip. We don't get. Yeah. We just kind of go for it. We have. Yeah, some but fun. it's you. It's yeah. it's authentic. And yeah. So kind of back to therapy, just real quick. First, what would you say to people? Like, has it helped you? And for somebody that's never done it, or maybe they're dealing with loss, or they've dealt with loss, or maybe they will deal with loss. How does therapy play a role, and would you recommend it? Yeah, I definitely recommend it. I don't, I don't think it has to be a therapist, at least not at first. Like, talk to your best friend, talk to your parents, talk to. And what's sad because some people have no one. Some people message me because they don't have anyone. Wow, and it's it's sad, um, but it doesn't have to be a therapist. But dude, talking helped save my life. Dude, just talking about it and. And I didn't want to talk about it for a really long time. Yeah. And the thoughts I had is, well, if I talk about it, I'm going to appear weak. Like, I don't want to do that. If I talk about it, people are going to feel bad for me. Like, I don't want – that's not really what I'm – I'm not after your pity or your attention. I'm just – I need to talk about it. I need people to know how I feel. That was another one that – like, we all have these weird thoughts in our head that prevent us from – just talking about it. And I, I didn't want to appear like I was being the victim and I didn't want to appear like I was being the woe me type of guy. And I think that's something similar that a lot of men might relate to is sure. are those thoughts of like, I just can't open up. Yeah. But I think it's important to understand like, cause we, and one thing with 1090 is we don't do the victim thing. Like we just don't believe in it. Like something yeah. bad happens to you. Okay. What are you going to do about it? But you can't just feel sorry for yourself and ask for special treatment the rest of your life. Like, you still got to get off your ass and set goals and do stuff. Yeah, the episode I listened to, you just read that children's book. 
yeah. empty pot. The empty pot. So oh, yeah. I ordered it. Oh, you did? Yeah, I love so, that. My mom would read me that book growing up. So I'm stoked on that because I'm always trying to find books that are more than just a kid's book. Like I want to find something that teaches them something yeah. that I believe in. Yeah. Something that's going to help them. For sure. And so listen to that episode of you guys talking about how that book can be so so helpful in life, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of different things. And so no, that's awesome. So I geeked I out on that. that. So, so there you go. Like yeah. that's just one example right there. But. but yeah, so I think, I think some people think like, well, if I, if I appear weak and talk about how bad I'm hurting and I'm vulnerable, people are going to think I'm being the victim. And that's sure. just simply not true. Yeah. I think talking about your pain is one thing. And then after that, then it's like, okay, are you going to be the victim or not? Like, what are you going to do about it? After? Like, talk is cheap. You've talked about your pain. Yeah. Now, are you going to use that pain to help other people and to learn and to grow from it? Or you talked about your pain, so you let other people know, and now you're going to use it as an excuse and handouts the rest of your life. And that's where it splits off. Mm-hmm. But communicating how you feel, that doesn't make you a crybaby or a victim at all. What happens after that, that's where you figure out who you are, I think. Yeah. This is so cool that we're talking about this because I heard you say the two things that helped you the most were talking about it and crying. Yeah. And I think that people probably have the same fears around crying as they do talking about it. How am I going to be perceived? Am I going to be perceived as weak or whatever? But it's it's yeah. like, screw that, right? Like, you just you got to do it. And it's funny because I love stoicism. Yeah. Like, it really has helped that- me. That's something you got into post-accident. Yeah, and it's ironic because stoicism is you don't show emotion. Right. And here you are, this guy that believes in stoicism. I'm just crying, doing moments. <laughs> so it does. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. But I, I think what like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and all those guys, all those early Stoics, I think when they're talking about being stoic and not, and it's not so much, they're not telling you not don't communicate your emotions. Their message is don't let your emotions run your life. Like use knowledge and justice and courage right. to run your life. It's still okay to feel emotion. Yeah. Like Marcus yeah. Aurelius lost five kids. I'm sure he wept and cried, but he kept going. He didn't use it as an excuse to, to be a terrible ruler over his people. And listen, I think I grew up playing sports. Whatever analogy you want to use, sports, you're going into a battle, there's an enemy, right? There's opposition. That's when you need to be stoic. You don't want to show your opposition, your emotional frustration. Like you turn the ball over, you throw an interception, you make a bad play, you're in, whatever it is, things go bad for you. Sure. You don't want to show your, don't give your enemy like the benefit of like getting into your head. Yeah. But when the battle's over and you go home to the people you love, yeah, you need to open up and tell them how you feel and explain to them, I'm, I need help. I'm hurting. This is not good. Absolutely, you should. And that, that's just kind of how I see this, the whole stoic Love thing. Love that. But, yeah, the pain ain't going away. And I think communicating about it and crying, because I used to like, oh, I'm going to cry, and I'd hide or I'd shut down or I'd do something else. And then I'm like, I'm just going to cry and just really feel it. And then after that, I'll keep going about my day. But sadness is um, important and useful, and we need it. And it's okay to embrace it. And I miss them so much. I love them more than anything. And sometimes I just got to cry about it. 
And How often do you think you cry or have cried since? Um, I 95% of my days I cry. So almost every day. Um, there's been a couple days I haven't cried. My public speaking, I used to just cry like the whole time. <laughs> And now I probably only cry like once or twice. I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. Um, but yeah, I, and and talking about your pain and crying, it's literally like anything else in your life. Like the more you do it, the you get better and stronger and mm. more comfortable. And just like basketball or whatever, like you're gonna suck at it at first. Like yeah. trying to feel your emotions and communicate those with other people, it is not gonna go well for you. It is gonna kick your ass. And but you're gonna get better at it. And it's just literally like anything else in your life. It takes reps and practice and dedication and determination day after day after day. But, yeah, dude, I'd, I'd wake up every day and just cry. And, yeah. I think that's so good for people to hear that it's okay. It's okay yeah. to cry. Just cry. So I had this kid on, on my podcast. He's from Kenya, like the slums of Kenya. And then grandpa killed himself, his uncle. Like, just terrible stuff. Wow. And he had this... I love this quote. He said, "He said it's okay to cry. Just walk as you cry. Mm. Walk as you cry. I love that because you can feel sad. You can accept that sadness, wow. but you keep like you keep going though. You yeah. keep setting goals. You keep going another day. You you don't use it as an excuse. It's not an excuse to just do whatever you want. But yeah, you can cry and feel sad about it. Be mad. I'm so mad. I'm mad all the time. Yeah. What happened was not fair at all. It was, I was a good husband. I was a good dad. I was a good brother. I didn't deserve any of it. But I, I'm just going to sit in my room and drink myself to death? No. Because then the car accident means nothing. Yeah. I got to make it mean something. I think that's worth talking about, too. Like, has drinking helped, hurt? Like, what's your what's your thought on that? Drinking's terrible. Um, but it's weird. Like, it has, it does help sometimes because sometimes you get, like, you just kind of shut yourself out. Like, I'm not going to show any emotions. And then sometimes you drink and takes that away and you just, like, so when I, when, I, when I drink, and I don't drink as much as I used to, but drinking would, like, open me up and it was not good. I mean, it was good in some ways, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it let the pain out. But, yeah. no, I, uh, I'm not a drinker. I mean, I drink occasionally now, but I was... Uh, I was drinking a lot there the first year. Yeah. Just trying to run away from the pain. What would be your advice then if somebody's going through something like that and they're kind of going down that road? What would you tell them? So, well, one thing, can I just tell you one more story? Yeah, yeah. So one thing that helped me is because I lost my family and now I'm just trying to run from the pain. So I'm not doing well. Like, I'm drinking, I'm just laying in bed. I, I take sleeping pills at, like, 1 in the afternoon. Like, I'd get a babysitter for blue. I'm like, I'm done. And I was just really struggling. And then I went to lunch with my friend Kevin. And I was just feeling so bad about everything. Like, I'm a screw-up. I'm worthless. I wanted to die, and I couldn't. I'm just, like, not doing good. And Kevin is like, Mason, I'm proud of you. And it, like like hit me man like so hard like yeah like thanks man like i know it doesn't look like it but like 
this is maximum effort for me right now. Like I just lost a lot and it's confusing to me and it hurts. Like it meant so much to me. And you know, balancing all things is if someone is being a victim and they're just making bad choices, you don't want to just tell them, I'm proud of you, man. Like sure. keep going. Like <laughs> you don't want to do that. But in a very real sense, like some of these people that are really hurting, they don't have a lot of hope. And when Kevin said that to me, man, it was just like, a shot of life a little bit. Like it made me want to keep going and, and improve yeah. and, and get yeah. that comment again from someone else. It was just so cool. So I, as bad as your buddy's hurting, uh, maybe tell him like, Hey, like all things considered, I'm proud of you, man. Like, sure. so that helped. And then I think other advice is there's, there's no right way to go through trauma. Everyone's going to do it differently. But there are some things that you don't get to decide if you really want success. Like success takes what it takes. You, we don't get to decide. And it's the same thing with trauma. Like if you want to get through these obstacles and traumatic events, yeah, a lot of it you can do it in your own way. But some things, it, it's not up to you. You got to do them. And I think a couple of those things that you got to do is talk about it. Yeah, I think you got to talk about your pain. And then I think you have to keep in mind that we is greater than me. It's not about you. And my worst days are when I think it's about me. My worst days are when I just think about my pain and my issues and how good I used to have it and how happy I used to be. I mean, I used to, I used to think I was the happiest guy in the world. That guy is gone. And so my worst days are I just think about me. But, dude, when I think about other people, I like my life. Like I have a really cool opportunity to help so many people now. And when I can keep my mind focused on blue and other people, life is good, man. Like, and I'm, I found purpose in my pain and I'm making the car accident in my family mean something. I make, cause I don't think life means anything. There's no purpose to life. No, there's not. It's up to you. It's up to you to find it and give it purpose. And I think it's the same thing with a car accident doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean that God, this or that. Doesn't mean, it means absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's up to me to make it mean something, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I feel really good because when people send me messages and tell me thank you, it's like, oh, Courtney and Riggins and Frankie and Race and Ryder, like they're still alive in a, in a little bit of a way um, because we're able to help so many people with it. There's so much there, so many gems. And so I want to kind of pick that apart, what you just said. One of the things I want to talk about is I think one of the events that you spoke at with Jimmy a couple weeks ago, were they doing the military training that weekend? Do you know? Do you know what they were doing? I don't I make fun of Jimmy all the time because okay. Jimmy does crazy stuff. Like they, he like waterboards people. Yeah. Like Jimmy, I'm not getting waterboarded, dude. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really, they jump into ice bat. Like they do crazy stuff. But So at one of those weekends, I was at that and uh-huh. they had one of Jimmy's friends is in the army or was in the army. Mm-hmm. And he hires them essentially to torture you, to break you down mentally and emotionally, right? So they're waterboarding See, you. See, hold on real quick. Don't yeah. forget what you're going to say. But this is what I mean, dude. People go to Jimmy to get waterboarded <laughs> because they haven't been through what what I've been through. Like, what I, I don't need to get water. I'm good. I'm fighting <laughs> to survive today. Yeah. I don't need to get waterboarded. But you know what I mean? That's yeah. what I mean by, like, the pain can give you so much beauty and purpose. Every day I have is a full day. I mean, it is. I'm grateful for every day. For and 
pain and trauma is weird like that, dude. It gives yeah. you so much, the perspective it gives you. Like, I wish I could take who I am now and go back with my family before with the perspective I have and the strength I have now, but it's well, not that, how life works. That This was actually, it's cool to see this come full circle because the moment that I thought about you and I was like, I got to get Mason on the podcast was we're in this military weekend. Guys are just getting trading. I mean, how it kicks off is you're in a classroom, mm-hmm. not knowing what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, this smoke bomb goes off and all these <laughs> all these blanks start going off. Get on the floor, you know, That's whatever. awesome, man. And then you're zip tied and the bag's over your head and you're you're being taken to get tortured. No And so way. they start the torture and you're doing air squats. You have a bag over your head. You can't get new, fresh oxygen. You feel like you're going to just suffocate. And it's claustrophobic. Yeah. It'll push you to the edge. To That's the, the goal, right? Yeah. It's to break you down and have people give up. And there's a safe word. But in that moment, when we were debriefing, guys, like, what kept you going? And you know what it was? It was other people. It was in that moment when they thought they were going to give up and they're focusing on themselves yeah. and they could hear the guy breathing or suffering or just trying to, like, get through it next to them. Instantly, their whole paradigm switched. And they're like, I yeah. got this. If you're a, if it was just you in that room, oh, you'd, you'd probably be, be five quick. seconds before you said quick. that safe word. <laughs> so when, when the guys were debriefing this and they're like, the second I shifted to think about other people, that's when I thought about you yeah. and your story. And I was like, that's crazy, man. This, that's, that's what this is. And I'm like, I got to get Mason on. So it's so cool to see it come full circle. The other, one of the other gems that you said in there, is um and I'm not going to go into it but I used to work with somebody really closely and uh they they lost one of their kids in a very tragic way and they were doing it in in a way to give back and it, it and just the event backfired and and they lost their their child and one of their first weeks ever coming back to church they heard somebody say everything happens for a reason and as you can imagine, that just just crushed them, you know? And they just had to walk out right then and there. Yeah. And so since that point when she shared that experience with me, that like put me down the rabbit hole. And I believe that things don't happen for a reason. What you said, like things just happen, man. We make we make the meaning or we we provide that. I think we just live in a world of chance of sickness and cancer and you know, whatever, right? And so Tim Tebow had this quote I love. It's adversity is here, it just left, or it's on its way back. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, man, isn't that so true? And if you're, I hope I can talk with my kids and and get them to understand that that's life, so that when it happens, like they're more prepared. Because I think if you expect it to be this perfect thing, then it can catch you by surprise. You know. Yeah. But I just, I guess, why I bring that up is I agree with you. I, I agree that. There is no reason. And even if there was and we get to the other side and there is, I think it's a horrible way to try and live to figure out what the reason was. I think it'll eat eat us alive. Yeah. You know? So for me, I just had to flip the switch like there is no reason. I know and it's it's kind of irritating because when when people go through a traumatic event, yeah, and they respond well with strength and love and other people in mind and they make something good out of it. How many people think like, oh, see, it, 
it happened for a reason. It's like, no, that like takes I'm, away I made from it that. happen. Yeah, it totally. was me because you know how many stories there are yeah. where people don't handle it well. And sure. It, it does mean nothing. Sure. And they end up putting a bullet in their head or they never talk about it or they drink themselves to death or you name it. They're just miserable yeah. the rest of their lives. Yeah. Those stories are out there just as much as the good ones, but we don't talk about those ones. We talk about the good ones, but, and it kind of creates this illusion that everything does happen for a reason. No, it's just a bunch of strong people responding well to adversity and made something good out of it. Yeah. And, that, and that's not, it's, it's not in a prideful way. It's, it's in an empowering way. Like you no, can make I, a choice. And yeah. You've it's got supposed this, to give you, know? you hope. Yeah. Like it's up to you. You're yeah. the master of your fate. No one's coming totally. for you, man. No one gives a shit. You got to pick yourself up. So I love that you shared the story of your friend telling you that, like, I'm proud of you, man. And one thing that I, I want to talk about for a minute is before the podcast off air, I showed I shared an experience of somebody that I know that's going through something pretty traumatic and how I was trying to search on how can I support them? What can I say? What, what can I not say? And so I've noticed that oftentimes people are trying to help and they can say something really, really hurtful. And, and in this pursuit of helping, they can actually do a lot of damage. Yeah. And so I think it's important to talk about for a couple of minutes, like what helped you and what, what didn't help? Like, what could you tell people? Hey, like whatever, don't say this. I think one of the things that you should never say to people is never go tell them things happen for a reason. Like keep that to yourself, man. Whatever you believe or not, like just don't say that to anybody that's dealing with yeah. the loss, you know, but maybe some things to say is like, I'm proud of you. So you've already said that, but anything else on what could help or what not to say? Yeah, I think, um, well, the, the 1090 quote I love, life's 10% what happens to you and 90% what you're going to do about it. I wouldn't tell that to someone the day after. Like, that sounds awful. It's not, it's not time. Yet, it's right? not. So yeah. some of the, like, and if someone were to tell me like everything happens for a reason now, I would handle it fine. Like, I don't agree with you, but it wouldn't get to me. But yeah, so timing is part of it. Like, in, in the thick of it, there's not a whole, there's nothing really good to say. There's just not. And people are different and they handle everything differently anyway. So what might help one person isn't going to necessarily help the other one, but showing up. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Dude. You just show, just get your ass. Like we live in a world with, with like the cameras and the zooms and the vid, like the text message, like don't send it, get your ass over there. Yeah. I love that. Knock on the door. And then like, you just said, I'm not sure what to tell my friend. I would communicate, just communicate that with them. Be yeah. on, like, just tell, literally tell them that like, Hey, I don't even know what to say. I love you. I'm so sorry. I am here for you. Whatever you, I would, I'd say something like that. But the comments that lead to this idea of it's going to be okay. Oh, that I hated that. If anyone told me anything that had to do with it's okay, I would freaking lose my mind. Because I'm like, this is not okay. I Courtney, I loved Courtney when I was 15. She's, this is not okay. Riggins is gone. Frank, this is not, nothing about this is ever going to be okay. So that those comments, it will be okay. I tell my friend Sam on our podcast, I was like, Sam, it'll be okay or it won't. Either way, you just got to focus on what you can control. I like that one. We don't know if it's going to be okay. I'm not going to sit here and tell you your life's going to be okay. Yeah. It, all, all you can do is be strong enough to handle adversity the best you can, but adversity is going to come no matter what. I think what I've learned, and this is like a lifelong journey of how you can be there for somebody and, and hold space, but 
as, as humans, I think we try and fix things. And I yeah. think it's not about trying to fix it. It's just about being there. Yeah. And I think that's like, if you're wondering how you could support a friend in mourning loss, whatever, I, th- I think just be there. Yeah. What do you think? I'll no, I show up, show up, show up. And, and don't be too, don't be too worried about what the, you're not going to fix it. So don't try to, you don't have to fix it. Just be there with them in their pain, man. Yeah. What do you think is a good expectation that is helpful for people that, like I said, that either are dealing with something, have, or will, like, on good days and bad days? Like, it's okay probably to have bad days and how often and... Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really glad you said that because, you know, like, social media is weird, so I post, like, cool videos on there and and I do public speaking things and I kind of put on this persona that, you know, like, wow, like this tough, strong guy, like, but dude, I have bad days still where I'm not doing good. And I think what I've learned is I'm just going to kind of take advantage of this bad moment and really feel it and really be miserable and cry. And dude, I, I just text people randomly. Like I text Courtney's sister the other day, like, Hey, I really miss Courtney. I love her. I miss her. And just tell, just communicate. I don't know what it is, dude, but it's like, hey, I hurt. Like, take some of this pain. It's just there's something about communicating it. So I would just communicate it, open up, be honest and genuine. And, yeah, it's okay to have a bad day. Um, and one thing I've learned is I used to have four bad days in a row. Okay. And then it was two bad days, a good day, and then two more bad. And now it's – I can have three good days in a row and then a bad day. So it, it – you're going to get stronger throughout it. It's not going to get easier, but you're going to get stronger. And those dark moments are going to get fewer and further in between, but they're, those storms are still going to come. Is there anything as far but, as, and then, yeah, like there's no bad parts. So like the part of you, like I have lots of parts of me. There's parts of me that want to die. There's parts of me that wants to scream and punch people. And there, there's all these parts of you, the part of you that wants to have a bad day and is miserable that's a good part of you. You need that part of you because that part of you showed, like, you loved them. I loved them. Like, if I, if I never had a bad day, I'd probably be a sociopath. Like, like you got to have a bad day after all you lost. The love you had for him sometimes is communicated through sadness and anger. But stoicism has taught me, okay, embrace those emotions, but don't let those emotions control you and govern your life. But Dude, those emotions of anger and sadness are important, and they need to have their day in the sun. And if you don't allow them to breathe and communicate, it's going to fester, and that it's going to get much worse later. Yeah. Is there anything else that you've talked a lot about what, what's been helpful and what could help others? Is there any, like, book or podcast or any resource that you can think of like that, maybe YouTube of, Maybe there's a Tony Robbins or just anything that that ever played a part that really helped you in some way. Yeah, there's like some books I could list, but I think one thing people don't um, maybe talk about enough or understand enough is traumatic event happens, and then we just look at everything after that, which is important. Like that's the rest of your life. But, dude, what's really, really important with handling trauma, the person you are before a traumatic event or life gets really tough matters. It really does matter in a big way. And like for me, 
I look, I had a great childhood. I had a great childhood. I had great parents, like my mom and dad, like unbelievable parents. I was the youngest of five kids. My older brothers and sisters were great examples. The wife, the girl I married, Courtney, her, what she taught me, her strength, playing sports, like I had instilled in me way before the accident. Like you just don't give up. You just, it's not an option for you. My brother Race taught me that. My brother Sage taught me that. My dad taught me that. Courtney taught me that. Like, so I had all these core principles before the accident. And then when the accident happened, like, I think who I was before has really, really helped me. Because, dude, there's some people, not good parents, terrible childhood growing up, childhood trauma. Like, if I had childhood trauma on top of this, who knows where I'd be? Probably be in a ditch somewhere. So, like, I'm blessed with the life I had and who I was because I and, – and I'm not, I'm not like – I was just a high school teacher. It's not like I was submarine, like, you know, like doing this. I was just a normal guy, but, like, who you are before But, I mean, matters. normal guy, but to play college sports. Like, right, right, right. you got to be tough mentally and emotionally. And, dude, so, like, what you're doing in your life, like, be careful, like – how much you're dicking around or like what you're doing. Cause if you're just running away from little problems and adversity your whole life. And if you can never, like if we're just going to give out trophies to everyone and no one loses ever and life's just on easy street and then all your family's dead. Like how do you, how do you even, you don't even know what trials are. So, and that's the funny thing is like everyone wants, everyone has this idea that, we just want like fancy drinks on the beach with sexy ladies walking around. Like, no, that is, if that's every day of your life, that's misery. Part of reaching the fullness of life is experiencing pain and failure and heartache. And then comes the good stuff, but it's not going to just be rainbows all the time. Like you have to allow your kid and yourself to experience heartache and loss and tell them like, like I remember my dad, when I was a little kid playing sports, after a terrible game, my dad would tell me, like, yeah, you should practice more. He, he never said it was the coach's fault or the bad call on the ref. He's like, yeah, get your ass in the gym. Like, that was the mentality. So, dude, like, who you are right now matters, man. I think that leads into really well. I've heard you talk about the buffalo and the cattle. Oh, yeah. I love this because. Really so, good analogy, yeah. Like in the next thing, whenever that is for me, I really want to have a buffalo ranch. I just oh, love yeah. buffalo, man. So cool, huh? Like they, there's a study where they put cattle and different animals in this freezer to see at what temperature their heart stops working and they die. They haven't found the temperature for buffalo. No, yet. Sh- I haven't heard yeah. of that. that it's dope. in this book called American Buffalo. Yeah. And so it's just the story of this buffalo hunt in, in uh, Alaska, but the, he talks a lot about the history of buffalo and just everything about them. And so because of that, I'm like, this animal, like, and when you look at them, they, it doesn't look like a normal animal. No. I mean, they're it, not the prettiest animal to look at. But, but they're cool. Like, once yeah. you start appreciating them, I mean, they're yeah, like their heads are literally shaped like a shovel so they can just plow through snow in a storm. Like there's no stopping these things. They don't care. You learn about the fences and like to have buffalo versus cattle, even though they're the same size, pretty close to buffalo can jump t- two or three times as high. The fence has to be a lot stronger, a lot higher. Like you but know more about buffalo the, and cows than I, I, know, I do, dude. <laughs> but I want you to, I want you to share. Cause I hadn't heard that. And I, 
I think it's so cool. So yeah, it's like a perfect analogy for what I've gone through. And my dad, so my dad, he he signed up for uh, I forget what it's called, but it was basically a class for like people who are really going through it, depression and stuff. And my dad's like, "Do you want to take this class with me?" I'm like, "Dad, I would love to. I just I can't commit to stuff right now because I probably won't follow through." Because this was pretty close after the accident. So my dad goes to this class, and then after he emails me, he's like, "Hey." We got a really cool, the teacher shared with us this really cool metaphor of buffalo and cows, and I think it would help you. So he sends it to me. And so I'm not exactly sure where he got it from. but So I did not come up with this, but uh, buffalo and cows, they both have this ability to sense when a storm's coming. And they both get scared. And cows, when when they sense a storm's coming, they take off running away. Just like we do, like life gets hard, we run away and no accountability, we have excuses, it's someone else's fault, you know, whatever analogy you want to use, but we run away from it, can't handle it. And that's, that was me after the accident. Like I couldn't look at pictures of them, I couldn't talk about them. I was just going to drink drugs, whatever, to numb the pain, like get me out of this storm, like no. And what it's funny, and we were just talking about this is, if it's a small storm, you might be able to, the cows might be able to get away while the buffalo are in it. Mm. And it's the same thing with life. Like, oh, it's just, it's just my 7 a.m. math class, or it's just a, a meeting. Like, it, whatever, like these small storms that we don't think matter and we avoid them. And then when a storm actually catches you, like, you're screwed. Like, that's, that tiny storm fills like a hurricane, like you're not used to any type of trial at all. It is not good. And I think we're kind of in a, the, I think the world's kind of like that right now. We're just yeah. kind of making it easy for us to be cows. Like, yeah, okay, don't deal with it. Buffalo, they get scared too. It's not like they're not scared. They get scared too. And when the storm comes, they stare at it. And when it gets close enough, they charge right into it as the cows are running away. And obviously they charge into the storm because they get through it much quicker. So if you accept it, you face it head on. Yeah, this is my fault. It's my bad. There's no running away from it. You're going to get through the storm quicker. But what the buffalo find is when they enter the storm and it passes over them quicker, the storm has lots of good things, man. It gives them life. Gives them the water and the grass and everything that these buffalo love and need. So the buffalo get to enjoy what the storm gave them as the cows are running away. And just like in life, like when the storm catches these cows, the cows are tired because they've been running. And the cows, if they would just stop running, like just stop running and let the storm go, it'd go over quicker. But the cows are so terrified and all they know is to run away from their problems that they are now running with the storm. So they're in the storm way longer than they ever had to be, and it's much worse than it ever had to be. And buffalo, this is something I've learned with the buffalo mentality is you get the good parts of the storm. And there, what happened to me with the car accident, and it might sound crazy, there are good parts within it. And if you're a cow you are going to be able to outrun some things from the storm. And probably the only thing you're going to outrun are the good parts of it. 
you are. You're, you're going to have a victim mentality. Poor me, why me? The rest of your life, you'll probably have kids and raise kids with a victim mentality, and it's just not good. What I found entering the storm is I found the purpose. I found purpose in the pain, man, and it changed my life. And if I kept being a cow, I'd keep, I would have keep running from that purpose and never would have found it, and I'd still be in pain and misery. And listen, it's not a perfect analogy because in a very real sense, I'm still in the storm, and I don't think the storm's ever really going to end. Um, some people, the amount of pain they're in, it's never going away. But how are you going to handle that? What are you going to find within the storm to make it worth your while? So that, that buffalo and cow analogy has meant a lot to me, and I found a lot of truth within it, yeah. for sure. I love it. You, you mentioned something else in there that I've heard you talk about before, which is purpose. And, and I think it's, I don't know if it's intentionally taught, but I think a lot of us just assume point of life is happiness. Yeah, what a joke. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just not going to be there all the time. It's it's just like a roller coaster. It's ups and downs, ebbs and flows, and you might be happy for moments at a time or maybe for a long time, but you ain't going to be happy all the time, man. But purpose, that's going to get you through anything, dude, thick and thin. And purpose, like, I don't get out of bed because I'm happy. I get out of bed because I have purpose. Yeah. Happiness, I've heard you say this, happiness can be a byproduct of the purpose, right? Yeah. For, yeah. So it's if I, I don't remember saying it like that, but if I did, that was cool because that yeah, was a good no, way to say it. No, I wrote it down. So I'm like, <laughs> Mason, that was sick, dude. Yeah, I love that. One thing I want to ask you about is, and it's good to talk about things sometimes. Like I had a, a guy on here the other week and he's like, it's rude not to talk about money. If you don't talk about it, then we don't understand it, you know? And this with death, mm -hmm. have has has your view changed on death? Yeah, so death is like, <laughs> and this might sound weird, man, but I hate death. It's like the worst thing but I love it and appreciate it, death at the same time. And I don't, I feel like losing what I lost, like them dying in that car accident is almost the worst thing. I think the only thing that would be worse is if death wasn't possible. Like if there's a world with no death, then there's no purpose, no purpose to anything. And there's beauty in death, and there's beauty in this idea of, like, this might be all you get. So, like, what are you going to do about it? But accepting death has helped me. And, like, have you ever, like, I'll give you an example the other day. I was playing catch with blue. Yeah. And we see how many we can get in a row. And then I always tell them, like, hey, this is our last chance. Like, we get four in a row or 40 in a row or whatever. This is it. And, dude... The game, all of a sudden, the game is 10 times better, 10 times more meaningful. Every throw matters. We are locked in. We are focused. If you bob bobble it, it's like, <gasps> like, dude, it makes everything better. It gives beauty to everything. And this idea that we're just going to go to a place after we die and live again, and there's no death, and there's no pain, and there's, I can't even, that's what makes life worth everything is the possibility of not having it is the possibility of losing it. 
And that's just how I see it. Like, if you're going to tell me I'm with my family again forever and there's no chance for me to lose them, how do I love them and appreciate them? So I have a really weird... Have you ever heard of the free solo climber Alex Honnold? Yeah, I watched free solo. I it, went and it's drove like, to it, It's basically like that. Yeah. Like that dude, if that dude put on a rope, man, he's just another, like whatever. You wouldn't even know You him. don't even know him. Yeah. And it's just another boring rock climber guy. You take that rope off, though, everything matters all of a sudden. That's beautiful. It's really weird. Not a lot of people get around. Because yeah. I asked me, like, no, so, like, you're okay with, like, this might be it, and you're not going to see your family again. I'm like, well, act, like, think it through. Yeah. And, dude, like, the amount of pain I felt and the hell I've been through, if I just get to this place and there's my family and there's a God and it's happily ever after, then, like, what the hell was that? What what was that about? Because the hell that I'm experiencing now, it means something, dude. It means something. It matters. And there's just a part of me that thinks there's this happily ever after, then it doesn't matter. Trust me. It matters. This pain means something for sure. Well, I don't know if that made sense, but no, in it, my it mind, does. that's and the follow-up question me. is, is a lot of people, the meaning or the purpose will come from their religion or their spirituality or their view or not in a higher being. Sometimes I'm not saying it has to, but I'm saying sometimes that's how they get their context. Right. Yeah. So for you, what role has all of that played in this? Like a higher being and or just like the, the plan, like if there is one, there like, is no plan, dude, or just, a, <laughs> it's up to you. You like got the, the afterlife or yeah. like what, what meaning does, do you have something that you lean on there or what do you think? I guess. I think it's lights out, dude. Yeah. And like I said, like, the only thing that makes life meaningful is pain and misery and how you're going to handle that. That's how you grow. And if you can't grow and become something better, there's no point of living. And if you cannot love someone if it's impossible not to love them. It, that doesn't, the only reason I love Cor I could have been with other girls. I chose to be with Courtney. I didn't talk to any other girl. That's what makes love love. Yeah. Is you dedicate yourself to someone when you have other options. But now we're in this place where guarantee it's like the Harlem Globetrotters every day. Like you're never gonna lose a basketball game now. Like so if, if there's this concept of life after death where we can experience pain and failure and turmoil and heartache, sign me up. I'll do that. I'll believe in that. But dude, I don't think there's a destination. I think it's just a journey. And you got to figure out, like, what are you going to do with that journey, man? We're literally on a rock flying through the sky. <laughs> no one knows what's going on. It's just a journey, man. And listen, like, I tell my friends, like, I think this is it. And they get worried. They, I think they think I'm going to turn into some hedonistic guy that just seeks pleasure and just, like, no. Like, part of, I said this before on this podcast, I think, but part of reaching the fullness of life is experiencing pain and loss and putting yourself out there and having that thought in the back of your head, this might not go well. Sure. That's life, dude. You're alive. Yeah. How do you know happiness and joy if you haven't felt pain? Dude, it doesn't make any sense to me, yeah. man. You think the the depth that you feel on one side lets you feel on the other side? Yeah, well said, dude. The yin and the yang. There's a yin and the yang to everything. Yeah. 
I think one more thing I want to touch on just to help others that are, have, or will go through things is I heard, I've heard you talk about PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Mm-hmm. And as three different things, three different levels, were those chronological phases or were, did you move from one more no. to the other? Were they all something you experienced and transitioned? The PTSD was minimal just because I wasn't in the car. Um, so I only had PTSD for a little bit when I'd get phone calls from unknown numbers or I saw ambulance or stuff like that. It would kind of shift me into like panic attacks sometimes. Yeah. But that was pretty minimal. Some people, like they were in the car. They I didn't really see a whole lot. But the depression and, and the anxiety, they take turns beating you up. It's like... One saves you from the other one. It's a really weird thing. Like, I'll have moments of being really anxious, and then depression will come in. It's like, oh, depression, where you been, man? It's nice to nice wow. to have you back. And then you go a couple of days with depression, and then anxiety comes back. Oh, anxiety, thanks, man. I'm sick of this depression guy. But, dude, the survivor's guilt, that trumps all of them. That's what really gets me is that's, that's the hardest part for me is – because the, the the tough thing with survivor's guilt is the very thing that helps it is the very thing that causes it. It's like the medicine is the poison almost. Mm. It's like you lay in bed and you're like, oh, they'd be so mad at me if I just lay in bed the whole, my whole life. So you try to have a good day and you have a good day. And it's like, why do I get to have a good day? Why can't Courtney laugh or Riggins ride his bike or Frankie chase Blue around? Like, and it just, it's just, that one's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. What can we do as, as listeners to support you. I know you're telling me you're, you're headed back to sit down to St. George yeah. to work for the same company. Nets on fire coming back, baby. In, in a couple months. That's yeah. sick. You're speaking yeah. a lot. Yeah. And so I think the one thing is if anybody has something, I mean, you're a great speaker. Oh, I, I love just that. listening to you and learning from you. I mean, I think anybody would be lucky to have you. Give you a follow on Instagram and, and listen to your podcast. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. not for everyone, but and yeah. it's funny because Sam – Sam is very religious, and so me and him, we, we're like, we don't agree on anything, really. So we get into <laughs> it, and then we have guests on, and, dude, like, we've had some heavy people. Man. Like, if you want to hear some sad stuff, check out our podcast. But if you yeah. don't like sad stuff, um, maybe not go there, but, yeah. Then the other thing is, as a basketball coach, so that's what I want to ask you is, I mean, what are you – what are you wanting to do the next three to five years? Do you want to be more coaching, more speaking? Well, I became this public speaker, podcaster, but it was weird because I would just be miserable. I just sit at home with Blue and play with him a little bit, but I was kind of just miserable. Not doing. I was a bum. I was a bum, I was a bum basically. But I do these public speaking things, and I just felt really hypocritical, like. Because I talk about the buffalo and the cow, but then the minute I'm done talking, I'm a cow again. I wouldn't do anything. So I'm like, this is I. This isn't gonna. This doesn't make sense. Like I can't talk about how strong I am and keep going if I'm. I was the only thing getting me out of bed was public speaking gigs. Yeah. So like I have. To, I'm like I have to have a nor. I got to get back to work. I got to be a better dad. I I got to live again. I can't just put on this fake. It was like, eat me up. I felt so bad and guilty. Like I gotta, I gotta either stop doing public speaking gigs or I gotta get off my ass and get a job again and provide for blue again. 
So that's the whole nuts on fire thing is I'm ready to, I, I want to be a normal person. Like if you took the 1090 and the public speaking away, I would like to have a job and a career and, and a relationship set aside from that. And then the public speaking thing would actually make sense. But I mean, does that make sense to yeah. you? But I just yeah. felt like I'm kind of a liar right now. I'm, I'm not, because I talk about all these cool things and then I go home and just cry and drink yeah. and be miserable again. But I mean, from the outside, Mason, I think just perspective, like it's been two years, you know, and yeah. like you said, the just to live another day is a win. That's true. You know, yeah. and, and me just listening to your story and why I wanted you on here is just to be able to face it and go share it is so inspirational. And so I think you got to give yourself a little more credit Thanks, there. Thanks, man. For sure. You're but proud of me is what you're saying. Totally. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. If I was like your homie, I'd be like, dude, I'm freaking proud oh, of you. I appreciate you know? that, man. So thanks so much for having the courage to come on here and just share with us everything that you've learned. I, I know it's going to help people for sure. I hope so. That are, have been, or will go through things. So thank you. Thank you.